We're doing the um, portion of Noso. Of course, we're after Shavuos, in which we celebrated the giving of the Torah. And um, one of the important things is that the celebrations and the commemorative events that we sort of continue on throughout the year. I mean, if we just um, stop on Shavuos, then we just have only a small part of it. We have to sort of take the inspiration, we have to take the um, all the things that we learn about how precious the Torah is and, and practice it and start doing it. So, therefore it's appropriate the day after Shavuos to, uh, instead of taking another break from the class, but to actually continue the class. Today is actually what is normally known as Isru Chag, Every day, every Yontav, the day after the holiday, has is a special day. It's called Yisru Chag. It's the day after the holiday. And it's based on a verse. Um, it seems that people should actually participate, make certain celebrations and meals and things like that. But especially after Shavuos, because the other three holidays, which three times a year people were required to visit the temple in Jerusalem and go to visit the base of Mikdash. Uh, on these three holidays, they needed to bring offerings, a sacrifice. The people need to bring in the temple. So but the other Passover, Passover, Sukkot, and Shavuot. But Passover and Sukkot are both seven days. But Shavuot is only one day. Or here we have the two days in, 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 in the diaspora. So the thing is, there's not enough time to bring all the uh, sacrifices during Shavuot itself. There's also an issue, uh, some question whether you can actually bring, according to some rabbis, even though it's not their law like them, it's Bet Shammai, but they say that on Yontav you shouldn't bring these sacrifices, and you have to wait till after Yontav. But in any event, the day after Shavuos was known as a Yom Tavuach. It means it was a special offering day. There was a lot of korbanos and people were making up. It's actually, we have seven days after Shavuos that we don't say Tetachanon. It's all to commemorate the fact that it's still an extension of the holiday of Shavuos. So I think it's, um, it's appropriate definitely to t- utilize today's day to study a little bit. So there's a big parsha with a lot of different topics, but you said we talk about blessings. We actually have the main and the foremost uh, blessing, which is the priestly blessing. We know that uh, God says to the um, Aaron, his sons, that so you shall bless uh, the sons of uh, Israel. Say to them, you know, Yivarechecha Hashem v'yishmerecha, this becomes so much This is the whole the portion here. This becomes the major bracha, the one, the the, 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 the major blessing. You know the priestly blessing that said. I'm familiar with this, yeah. The priestly. Yeah, so, so special. Now, what 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 is a little bit is just we're going to look into what the Rebbe makes note of here. We'll see that it seems almost that the blessings are not as profound as we would expect them to be, uh, what the blessings will be. 
what is the what does a blessing mean? What does a blessing mean? A blessing means that somebody, whether it's the Kohen or another, for that matter, any other person, has to a certain extent powers to bless. A blessing is not only to wish well, but it's sort of a trying to draw down uh, the goodness from above. Everything comes from Hashem. Everything comes from God. So. Uh, saying a nice thing about another person or giving him a blessing or giving her a blessing is almost uh, opening up uh, a pipeline of blessings from above so it comes to that person. So you're, when you bless them, you are um, saying to Hashem, you don't, you don't have control, but you have the control to bless and you're basically saying that Hashem should, uh, should bless just as the Kohanim do. They say God should bless you and uh, God should look down favorably. So let's just see for a minute what is the very simple meaning of these three verses of the blessings. What kind of a blessings are we talking about? The verse says, Hashem. May God bless you. So there is really no uh, particular, no specific blessing. It just says God should bless you. Blessing, one can assume, encompasses whatever your heart desires. You know, all things that you think that you need. It's just a general, Yivrech Hashem. But the second word is, after God bless you, it says, V'yishmirecha. Let Him protect you. So, here too, one would be inclined, without looking in Rashi's commentary, one would, be, one would be inclined to say, what does Yishmerecha mean? Good, if you looked at this, very good, because we'll discuss that. Yishmerecha would mean, let him protect you. Well, protect you is in many ways. Protect you, your health, protect you from uh, disaster, from uh, all kinds of sicknesses, from, you know, Yishmerecha. It seems that it's not a limited blessing. It's just a very general blessing. He shall bless you and protect you. And uh, then the verse continues, Yoir Hashem May God uh, shine His face and grace you. And Hashem May God uh, raise His face to you. Shalom and give you peace. Okay, we'll we'll see if we'll get to the second part. But let's just do the Rashi on the very first part. So Rashi says, what does Yivarechecha mean? Unlike like we thought that Yivarechecha would mean um, just all blessings, Rashi says specifically, that means that your belongings, the things that you own, should be blessed. Why is Rashi deviate from just everything. Why are we talking here about uh, your assets should be blessed? Why are we changing it from the more general thing that everything that you have should be blessed? So the Rebbe explains this isn't the first time where the Pasik with the verse is talking about blessings. We've had in the section of in the end of the portion of Vayikra, and we also have in the portion of Kisova in Devorim, we have 
many blessings over there. Over there, the Torah lists lots and lots of blessings over there. So somehow it seems like the Kohen, when he's blessing you, he's doing something more than the blessings that we already know, that we already have. The Torah says, if you follow in my statues, then I will bless you, and you'll get the blessing. So why would the Kohens, why would we need a special blessing if those blessings are already there? God has already blessed you. What is the Kohen doing more than what you already have and that we've learned before in the Chumash? And therefore, the Rebbe explains that Rashi is saying, well, this is not talking about the blessing of acquisition, but rather it's talking about things that you already have, things that you already own, that they too should be blessed. We know there can be lots of times that people may have certain things, maybe they're blessed with things, but they don't know how to, how to utilize it. and They don't know that what they have to appreciate it, or... They don't know, uh, it's very limited to them. They don't really, the, the blessing that they have is not increased. Uh, this blessing is saying to you is that what you already have should increase, which means both in, 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 in very physically, it would mean that um, maybe if you have, make a good investment, so if you already have money, you'll get a lot more money, or if you have uh, you know, one of the blessings we can say to ourselves would be that you should eat a little and you should feel satisfied. So you shouldn't have to eat a lot. So that would be a blessing. <laughs> so there's it's it's something you know you have the food already, but that the food should be blessed. What does the food be blessed today? We know what it means to be blessed. The food uh, there's blessings, but more in a spiritual sense. There's sometimes blessings uh, that we don't realize. Um, you know, even that they're blessings. What means that what you have should be blessed would also mean that you should be thankful and you should be appreciative and you should sort of recognize that what you have is multiplies and it's and it's really good for you. So that's an additional blessing. So not only that you have it, but that which you have increases in the sense that it gives you uh, the uh, satisfaction and the good feeling and the good... Uh, uh, emotional state so that you will be uh, happy with with the blessings. Um, now, following this, the verse talks about that God will protect you, right? Now, even though normally we would um, think about, maybe we're talking about protection uh Safety, as you know, today we live unfortunately in such a time in which we're very concerned about our safety. You know, you go out, you know, you somebody, somebody can just shoot you up like that. I mean, it just seems in Tel Aviv, in uh, in America, in all over, it's just there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things going on out there. So we we need protection, but that's not the way Rashi says. Rashi says over here, Yishmerecha means that robbers will not come or bandits will not come to take away uh, your money. 
And Rashi continues to explain this uh, metaphorically, and he says that a person that gives a gift to his servant uh, cannot protect it from all person people. So let's say you have a servant. Uh, normally, a servant that serves you, and you want to show your appreciation. You want to give him a, a gift. So you can give him the gift, but you can't protect and make sure that the gift will stay there because somebody can come, robbers can come um, and take it away. And um, so what happens if, 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 if bandits do come and take it away? Uh, so it turns out that the gift is sort of not a full gift. I mean, he had no benefit from it because it has been taken away. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with regards to Hashem, He gives you, but He also protects you. Uh, and the Rashi says there are many more interpretations. So, the Rebbe explains that, the Rashi needs, explains this because since this is a follow-up to the first sentence, Yivarechecha, and then it says Yishmerecha, He'll bless you, and then He will guard you. If it would be talking about uh, protection, safety, a person's life, things like that, that should come first. It should not be, it should be Yishmerecha, because that's a more important blessing. If we're talking about a uh, protecting one's life, so why would we have it in the order of Yivarechecha first, uh, your assets, and then your assets will be blessed, and then he'll protect your life. Seems like out of order. So Rashi learns that the Yishmerecha is a follow-up, it follows the first. First, God says that he will multiply your assets. Now, what happens, unfortunately, uh, people who become very wealthy, there's a lot of people that might want to come after them. You know, there's people that want to come after them. You know, especially in uh, some South American countries, they're always taking hostages, they're always uh, taking away, they're trying to take away what people have. So, What's the benefit? You can say that you have all these assets. Sometimes having too much assets is uh, to your detriment. It's not actually good for you. There's a verse that says, Sometimes there's a fortune which is kept for its owners, but it's to his uh, detriment. It's not good for him because what makes it? You know, we know also, I think... um, I think there's some data that people that won uh, the lottery and made a lot of money uh, that it didn't end up being going well for them. It was actually uh, to their detriment. You know, maybe before they had a better life than they have it after. I mean, same thing is true with money. The same thing is true with anything else. You know, sometimes things in excess it's too much, so that people don't know how to handle it. People don't know how to handle. Too much freedom, too much choices, too much, too much of a lot of good things. You know they can't handle it. So, but over here the verse says Yishmerecha. The God will protect you. He gives it to you and He protects you. So in other words, He makes sure that the gift that He has given to you is going to be a lasting gift, and that you will uh, be protected with with the gift that He gave you, which is. You know, you would think that the minute he gives it to you, he blesses you, that it automatically comes with a protection because it's a blessing from Hashem. With an insurance plan. 
Well, it could be, but that's what he's saying. But it I wouldn't even need the Ishmael The Ebishter's bracha already. Okay, so he specifies it that do Urecha and the Ishmael But the point here also is, um, generally, you know, there's a, uh, the Gemara, some of the Talmud relates that um, um, that there was once a, a, a king who was very friendly with one of the Tanoi, one of the rabbis, sure, uh, it was Rebbe or Rebbe Yud, Rebbe Yud Anossi or some of the other rabbis, not sure, better look it up the, who it was, but he sent him uh, a gift, a very precious gift. And the rabbi went and sent him back a mezuzah as a gift back. He was a little bit uh, like upset uh, because he sent he spent a lot of money for uh, buying him a precious jewel or something which was of uh, great value. And here, he, what is he giving him back? He's just giving him back a, a piece of parchment that has uh, uh, a few words on it, on a piece of parchment written, ink on a piece of parchment. And then the rabbi explained to him and he said, well, you sent me something that I have to watch, that I have to guard, but I send you something that watches you, because the mezuzah protects you, that you should be protected. Um, the Talmud actually in Avodah Zorah relates that uh, there was Onkelos. Onkelos was a convert. He actually wrote the um, commentary. He's a very quoted from the Tanoi. He wrote the commentary on the Chumash and other places in he's which right he's always brought down. He's the first commentary. He's translation slash commentary, mostly translation. But within his translation, there's also a little bit of comment over there. Rashi refers to him all the time. Rashi says, as the Targum, as uh, Targum translates. So the story goes that after he converted, and he was a, nep- a nephew, it seems like, from Titus the Evil. He also happened in the Talmud on and the, the Talmud relates there the whole story, how he, how he converted. First he sort of, sort of used sorcery to find out um, whether he should sort of become part of the Jewish people because what is the destiny? And he... He was basically um, shown that the um, people who did bad for the Jewish people ended up not doing well in the in the in the world to come, and so it was not something that he wanted to do. So um, he um, actually ran away, and he converted, and he became was a nephew of the of of of, of the emperor over there of Rome. And he was an important, very important person. It was, a, a, you know, a big shock to everybody that uh, Onkelos went and became Jewish, that he converted to Judaism. So uh, the, uh, the king sent after him, um, he sent a, a battalion of uh, soldiers to come and get uh, him. So... Um, Onkelos started a conversation with them, and he sort of drew their hearts to the uh, to the study, to the Chumash, and he actually turned them around. So instead of instead of taking him back, they all decided to convert over there. 
this is in the Talmud? It's in the Talmud. I'm actually reading from here. Mm-hmm. So then the Kaiser sent an additional battalion. And he told them, he instructed them very clearly, don't, don't speak <laughs> any words of Torah. Uh, so when they came, Uncle said to them, let me tell you something. I just want to tell you, not for the Torah, I want to just tell you just something, an idea. He says, you know that um, we know in the hierarchy of the of the government, of the kingdom, that it's always that the one who is less important holds the light for the one that is most important. So in olden days, they used to use uh, what kind of uh, lights, uh, fire. So the torch. Le- torch, the less important people would hold it for the more important person to give light for them. Uh, and it would be unthinkable that um, the one who's on the higher level more should hold a torch for people that are on a lower level than himself. And um, so he asked them, what would you think? He says, no, that would be totally unacceptable for, I mean, these are not, it sounded not like Torah words, but he was asking them a riddle. So that wouldn't make sense for a more important to hold the light and shine, service the less important. So... Uh, Uncle said to them, uh, Hashem held the torch before the Jewish people in the desert. As the verse says that God walks in them by day uh, with a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way in nighttime with a pillar of fire to give shine for them. So they heard this, they decided to convert as well. So now he sends another battalion and uh, he tells them, don't talk to them at all, period, no talking. No, not Torah, and not not Torah, just don't talk to him at all. Okay, so they uh, incarcerated him, they took him as a prisoner, and they um, started uh, leading him. He went by the mezuzah on the door, and he put his hand on the mezuzah and he smiled. So the soldier asked him, why are you smiling? So he says... Uncle says, he says, what is the custom in the world is if you have a king of flesh and blood, uh, he sits inside and the servants guard him from the outside. But HaKadosh Baruch with Hashem it's different. That his servants are in the inside and God protects them uh, from, the, uh, from the outside. It says, that God protects you when you come in and you go out forever. So they heard this, they also converted. <laughs> and the Caesar gave up finally. The Caesar gave up and he didn't bother him anymore and let him be. And then he became, you know, uh, the great sage. He was a good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he was a student of Rabbi Akiva. Yeah, oh. We learned about Rabbi Akiva. So it's interesting talk, that yeah. we, like when we study. The Pasuk Chumash we study with Rashi, but we don't automatically study with Unklus. And Unklus is on the same page. It's like right next to it. First of all, you know, one should every week do two times the Chumash with once the Unklus. That's one should review. That's besides the Rashi. Uh, In addition to that, is Unklus is written in Aramaic, so it's a little bit more difficult to understand. But the people get used to it, it becomes an easier Aramaic to, if you once you're 
uh, uh, done it uh, several times or looked in the Rashi, so it becomes it's close to the to the Hebrew. So it's 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 something that most people I'm not sure say most people sometimes that you can learn how to understand it. Uh, especially sometimes you have a question in the meaning of a word. You look in the Targum, you look in the Yonas Menazil, and then you have a um, an understanding. So just to, to mention, he was one of the students of Rabbi Akiva, uh, and uh, we talked about it over over the holidays, so I know that uh, Sarah's heard this, but you didn't hear this, so I'll just tell you from the... Um, from the Talmud that we read over there, um, we were talking about the um, very uh, special uh, devotion that one needs to have to the Torah. So we talked about that it was Rabbi Akiva, he was a sage, that he was able to uh, raise 24,000 students. That's like an enormous amount of students and people. They were all his all considered as his students. You know, a student of Rabbi Akiva meant that they were at a level that had to be at a certain level. But Rabbi Akiva himself, he um, only started when at the age of 40. Mm -hmm. And he's always brought as an example, as a, uh, to show that you don't have to be born into it. That if you didn't have uh, the good fortune to be exposed is never too late to start. So it's related that he was once walking by and he saw that there was a drip of water that was falling on a rock. You know that story? I think you told you I told you the story. Okay. You can tell it again because okay. I don't remember okay. okay, so but no so just briefly. So what happened was he saw that and he decided that he can learn Torah as well. He ended up marrying his wife Rachel, and she was the daughter of a, a very prominent um, person in the community, was very wealthy, and he was very upset with his daughter that she married. He thought he was a bum, you know. He didn't. He was a peasant. He was a, a shepherd. So mm -hmm. he didn't. He, he he was upset. So he totally wrote them off. So he was gonna give them his inheritance and everything, but he wrote them off. In the meantime, he went and studied, and he regained uh, all this knowledge. And, he, and then eventually, when he came back, both his father-in-law came uh, to tell the rabbi he's coming to town how much he's suffering from his son-in-law, unbeknown to him that it was Rabbi Kiva who was the son-in-law. Oh, that's so funny. And also his, his <laughs> wife was there as well, Rachel. And they didn't want to let her go, a woman coming to the rabbi. And when the rabbi, when Rabbi Kiva saw her, he said, you know, for my Torah and your Torah, it's all due to her because she sacrificed all these years. She was alone and she was raising the children by herself and uh, so that Rabbi Kiva can become the uh, Rabbi Kiva who was. Mm. So I told him from the other story from the Talmud that um, it was once that um, Rabbi Kiva said, you know, when you say the Shema, so you say you should love God with all your heart and with all your soul. What does it mean with all your soul? So Rabbi Kiva says that even if God takes your soul, you should still love him. That's the extent of love, which means even if you have to give up your life for the love of Hashem, you should still do it. So the Talmud relates that um, 
there was once uh, the government decreed that uh, they're not allowed to study Torah. And, uh, Rabbi Kiva didn't listen. He defied the uh, decree, and he still continued teaching the Torah. And the, his brother-in-law uh, said to him, "Aren't you afraid of the government? You know what they're going to do to you for defying them." So he gave him that famous example that there was once a um, a fox that was standing at the river bank at the edge of the river, and he see the fish running back and forth. And he says to the fish, why are you running? Why are you running, constantly running? They say, how could we not run? You know, people are throwing in their fishing rods, their nets, they're trying to catch us. So we've got to run away. And the fox was hungry, so he says to the fish, he says, why don't you come up here to the edge of the river and we'll live together like our forefathers lived in harmony and peace. Then you won't have to be running. So the fish responded and said, you are the fox that people say that you are the cleverest of all the animals. You're, no, you're not clever, you're, you're very foolish. He says, in the water, which is the source of our life, because we can't live without water. And still we're constantly running because we're afraid people are going to do harm to us. If we leave the water, <laughs> that's a certain death. And Rebekah said... That the same thing is our Torah is like the water for a Jew. Quoted the verses, it's your life, it's our life. And still, while we're studying Torah, we still have all these enemies that are trying to do bad to us. But if we stop learning Torah, it's living life altogether. So then we're really in trouble. So there's nothing more to talk about. Eventually, they put them both into prison. And uh, uh, Rabbi Kiva asked his brother, he says, what are you doing in the prison? So he says to him, you're lucky, Rabbi Kiva, that you were incarcerated for teaching Torah. Because he got in trouble for other reasons. So he says, at least you have a good reason to be in prison. He says, oh. And at the end, they actually uh, killed him with a very torturous death. You know, they combed his skin with, with, mm-hmm. with metal. And the students were probably forced to watch, or they were there. Uh, and the students uh, spoke to him. They said to to Rabbi Kiva, how much, in other words, how, how, how much can you believe in God and everything, even, you know, after, uh, I mean, that's a little bit my commentary, but after all the Torah and all the good things that you've done and all the self-sacrifice, how could you continue to, because he was praying when they were doing this to him, and he was saying the Shema Yisrael, and he says, he says, how could you still believe under these circumstances? And Rabbi Kiva said, look, he says, all my life I would say the Shema. And when I came to this verse, I would say, love God with all your life, even takes your life. And I always thought to myself, when will I have the opportunity to show God my devotion to Him so that I can fulfill it? He says, now that the opportunity has come, you expect me to reject it, you know? So, And um, it says that the angels cried out to Hashem and they said, is this Torah? Is this the reward for Torah? And there was a voice that came out of heaven and says, quoted a verse over there, basically that these people are destined and prepared to the world to come, even though in this world they they died or they suffered. And um, 
there is the mysteries of creations and the mysteries of why good people suffer, and sometimes it's related to uh, reincarnation, or some people say that the souls of the ten tribes, these were, he was one of ten of sages that were killed uh, cruelly by the Roman emperor, and they were the some of the greatest giants and holiest people in the generation. And during the service on Neila, in the not Neila, during Musaf on uh, Yom Kippur, uh, in the Avoida, we have the um, detailed description of the various different rabbis and what they did to them, and the um, and also um, the answer is God says. This has been something that you can't comprehend. There's things that are not comprehensible. We don't understand the Holocaust. We don't understand other tragedies. It's not in the human capacity to understand. Mm-hmm. But Rabbi Kiva and those of Rabbi Kiva don't give up. They don't turn around. Don't turn their backs to Hashem. There's a story told, yeah? Wasn't it said that his students were also killed? That was another. They died out of a plague. It was other over years. That didn't necessarily happen all at once, but that happened also. Yeah, some of the students, that was from disrespect to each other. That was another young. And that was right between Pesach and Shavuos. Um, The story goes about um, this this fellow who was destitute, and um, he had a lot of tourists, you know, he had just tourists, and... Uh, yeah, finally, you know, we were describing it. He was left, the whole family, everybody, Durden was, 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 was murdered, was killed, and everything. And, you know, and then and finally he had, was left with one child. That child also dies. He was just, now he's nothing, no money, no life, no family. No, everything lost, everything has nothing. And he finally, he says out to Hashem, he says, God, I know you're trying whatever you can that I should reject you, that I should stop believing you, God. I promise you, he says, <laughs> it's not going to work, whatever you did to me. <laughs> you know, I will continue to believe and I will continue to be connected. I mean, wow. <clears throat> this was, these were the people, you know, from the Holocaust that, uh, and my mother-in-law and uh, my father-in-law's yard site is coming up and uh, uh, actually tomorrow night is the yard site, so we should mention that Arya Leib Ben Yeshua Chana, yeah, was it, yeah, so Ben Pesach Hill, Ben Pesach Hill, and she's Ben Yeshua Chana, so these are people that, you know, went through um, worse than hell, you know, in this world, you know, I mean, they suffered so much, uh, fortunately, they weren't in the uh, camps, but <laughs> they were hiding and running in pits and in unhuman conditions, you know, it was impossible. And they survived. So you would expect, you know, after all these tzoras that they experienced, and, you know, they had sort of almost entitled, they had a right to ask a question, where's God, you know? But they and felt yet, like they were blessed and protected, because otherwise still, they would yeah, not yeah, be still, survive. But how, you know, but that that that's the Jewish... Uh, Stubborn, I'm sure if that um, uh, we don't uh, uh, yield easily to um, the troubles, and you know, look, we have one people, Jewish people, look at Israel today. We're standing against myriads and myriads of enemies, and mm-hmm. and people who want to destroy us, and yet you know we're staying strong and, mm-hmm. and connected. So we hope that 
actually his memory will be to a blessing and that um, he will look down at his children and offsprings in this world and beseech Hashem for blessings for everyone, for for good health, for happiness, for success, and um, shalom, bayit, and uh, for all only good things for all of us.